0: This is The Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Good evening, my name is Vinnie White. Hello. Welcome along to a news-flavoured soup with opinion broth, meaty chunks of news, comedy vegetables, and a notable absence of any professionalism. All with a hint of Christmas. Actually it's just occurred to me, Pat the producer, uh is this the last show of the year? For me at least. Yes, I believe so. Actually, definitely it is. Oh. Right. Better make it a good one. Go out on a go on a bang. I should have prepared for this. Actually, I haven't I haven't got that much to tell you about this week, because I'm it's my busiest time of year at mrphotocanvas.com. What's, what's that? Uh, MrPhotoCanvas.com where they uh, take your digital
0: prints and uh, blow them up and stretch them over a lovely uh, can- or stretch a
1: canvas over a lovely frame. Not bad, mate. Well done. I stumbled there halfway through. I was, I was ready. I know why you're keener than ever because you know that I gave you a couple of prints. Are you gonna give them away to family members? Wrapped up, safe in the knowledge that you paid nothing for them.
0: Fantastic. I thank <laughs> you greatly for that. I'm, I'm going to have to make it up because obviously my mum will hear this. She's a fan of the station. So. Oh, damn. Yeah, exactly. No, she she knows. But believe me, I'll, I'll have to get some more surprising
1: and more cashy kind of stuff. What's your mum's name? Sherry. Sherry. Um, He actually gave me... A considerable amount of money for these prints Yes, indeed I'll just dump out that last part I actually heightened heighten the price for him Because I've never liked him And um, your child is spawn of Satan Exactly I don't know what on earth you were thinking When you canoodled with the father of this man But you created a monster And uh, I, every week, look through the screen at Beelzebub Didn't overdo that, did I, mate?
0: Nah <laughs> <laughs> no one could could possibly consider that laying it on
1: a bit thick. <laughs> all I'm saying is you're Lucifer. I mean, it's not that bad. It could have been Donald Trump. Anyway, um, I've just worked all week. Is this what normal people's lives are like? Oh, my God. I don't know how you people do it. Yes, I'm afraid so. I've been actually working a lot lately as well. Oh, I've just i barely left my studio. I've just been printing and printing. So I have nothing to tell you. Unless, of course, anyone's interested on in how to change the printhead on a Canon IPF8400. All in the wrist. Little flick round the back. Also, when it says it's out and you need to replace it, at a cost of $700. What? $700 a printhead. This has to be a huge printer, though, right? A massive thing. It's seven and a half foot wide, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about the printer? Uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, it's really expensive. But I found, actually, I did a little bit of YouTube investigative journalism. And when it says it's clogged up and you need to replace it, pop yourself over the dollar store, get yourself a bottle of 50% alcohol, 50% water, soak that little puppy overnight. Tickety-boo. You're kidding. You're welcome. That's one of those brilliant little life hacks. That'll probably save you a, a fortune in the long run. Yeah, already has. I've been doing it for years. Yeah. If you're a rival print shop, if you would mind ignoring that comment, because I'd like you to sink. Yeah. yeah, You're not allowed to use that. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's not healthy to have competition. I'm just saying I want to smash you into the ground. It's the time of the year. Um, well, we'll start with some sad news, I suppose. Always good to do with the comedy show. Um, the, it's not that bad, actually. Zaza Gabor is dead, which is bad, but she was 99. So what do you want? Yeah, I suppose, unless she died, you know, in a horrible way, you know, what more can you ask? I think it was natural causes. Perfect. I don't know if it's perfect. (laughs) Don't write obituaries, will you? Jar Gabor died at 99. Perfect. In other news, um, I can tell you that she was a Hungarian born socialite. Uh, She has been battling ill health for a few years, but she passed away today at 99. She was married nine times, taking her first husband at the age of 20 and uh, wedding for the last time when she was nearly 70. Yeah. The Grim Reaper, which... uh, Grim Reaper's been particularly busy this year with celebrities, out-douching himself with everyone from Bowie to Prince, Alan Rickman to Nancy Reagan. Um, In fact, you might be a bit paranoid as to have more celebrities died this year than most years. The answer is absolutely. Twice as many notable people, i.e. people that deserve an obituary on the BBC website, That's your rating of notable people. Twice as many notable people have died this year compared to last year. And five times as many as in 2012. Wow. Yeah. Are they... Just
0: better at tracking, it, like we never miss a dead famous person now, or is no, it's it? Just they're a f- all dying. Freak
1: wave of people popping off.
0: That's terrible. I've been hearing nothing but that. You know, with Bowie, Prince. I you saw Die Hard the other day. Alan Rickman's you know tremendous. I completely
1: forgot about him. Oh, that's a really naive question. I shouldn't even be asking this on air because I look like a right idiot. Is he English? Alan Rickman? Yeah, he is, right? He has to be. Okay, good. Wasn't
0: he in the Harry Potter franchise? Oh, yes, he was. Yes. Not
1: putting on an action. And I think he was in Love Actually as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, because you know, we're always the villains. I thought, because sometimes you see the villain and they're not really British, but they've put it on. So I thought he might be a fake villain in Die Hard, but no, he is British. Of course they even get British people to play German villains. It's ridiculous. In what context do they do that? Die Hard.
0: Alan Rickman is a supposedly, a, oh yeah, a ger- like a German terrorist or the brother of a German terrorist who robs banks, and he's English.
1: Why couldn't they get a German?
0: But they, I'm, I'm telling you, there's other movies where they've done that as well. They, I think they did a couple of the Lethal Weapon movies. They just get a British guy. They make a British guy South African or something like yeah. that.
1: What is it with us and being evil? Here's me calling you Beelzebub. I should have a bloody good look in this glass. I but. think it's the empire thing. Yeah. Also, we're quite straight talking, aren't we? Yep. Had so, to do it. Sometimes to a fault. Uh, speaking of Britain, of course, you may be aware of the Brexit. Uh, the latest news on the Brexit is uh, out this week. It could take 10 years for us to Brexit, for Britain to leave the rest of the EU. It could take 10 years it's come out this week. Which is not fair, because most of the people that voted for it will be dead by then. Uh, this week, the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, uh, who wasn't voted in, but she seems to be there anyway. Theresa May, Maggie II? I'm not sure, a bit early to say. Uh, said regarding the Brexit, I'm a practising member of the Church of England, and so forth. That lies behind what I do. She said that in response to how the Brexit will go. She said, as well, if history has told us anything, it's that God will guide us, yeah, some of us into tall buildings, but He will guide us.
0: yeah, I mean, if you bring your religion into it, then you're exposing the religion to be picked apart then if that if you're saying like, well, this is what, my reasoning behind it, well then let's really analyze your yeah the the instruments behind your reasoning. Go the days of going, God's got this, no.
1: God, God has dropped the ball a few times. <laughs> As ball dropping goes, he has absolutely messed up in Aleppo. I always like this, this comment, right? I did steal this from a conversation between Ricky Gervais and Richard Dawkins. Anyone that's religious is very nearly atheist. What that means is if you consider there to be about 700 secular religions, I mean, there's obviously thousands more, but notable religions, there's about 700. Um, and most religious people, if not all, only believe in one of those religions. Yeah. And the, most, a lot of the religions are monotheistic as well. One God. So, So what you're doing by that is you're saying, I already don't believe in 699. I'm out with them. And whether it was my family that brought me up to be this way, my, the product of my environment, my own readings, I've already chosen not to have 699 of them. I'll just have that one. You're nearly an atheist. Interesting point. And uh, I'll watch myself on the ride home. Anyway, um, there was a lovely moment in reflection of what Theresa May said from a Twitter writer, James McWilliam, who tweeted the PM to say, following a recent interview where the Prime Minister said her faith in God would help guide us out of the path of Europe, could you please tell me what advice or guidance, official or otherwise, the Prime Minister has received, either from God directly or indirectly, through her faith in God? Would be nice to know. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. George Bush pulled the same kind of crap. Junior, I mean. Yeah, he's yet to get a response. A few weeks ago, the most prominent man behind Brexit, owner of the world's most slappable face, Nigel Farage, attended a party at London's Ritz Hotel to honour his 20-year political career and the success, of course, of Brexit. And uh, only hours after the UK Chancellor, Philip Hammond, said there would be about a $100 billion black hole opened up as a result of Brexit, the... Uh, slappable git, uh, was celebrating in triumph, but not in just any old way. He did it at the Ritz Hotel alongside media executives, Conservative MPs and millionaires who donated to UKIP, the party that he was representing. And uh, he did it, and I'm, I swear you think I'm making this up, while serving Ferrero Rero Rocher on a silver platter. And this is the week after he was photographed in a golden elevator with Donald Trump. And then he did a speech condemning the establishment. Is it just me? I don't know why I bother. I do know why I live here, though. Much better. We'll do a break. I'll come back. What's coming up on the show, I hear you say? Uh, Amanda Capito's coming in live to talk about newsy poos and events. You can text in any time you like on 71010 and get involved. Tell me, are you going away for Christmas? If so, where? And be honest... Are you looking forward to it? Are you going to Leamington for her? Wow, that must be love. Are you going to Florida to sun yourself up? You lucky git.
0: You're tuned in to The Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Seven ten ten. Where are you going for Christmas, and are you looking forward to it? Be honest. Um, always interested. So far, texts come in on seven ten ten. I think you've just saved me a few thousand dollars on print heads. Didn't know that little trick. Thanks, Vinny. Soak him in alcohol. You're welcome. I find actually that is the solution to most of life's problems as well. Got an inherent problem with your family? Soak yourself in alcohol. Tickety boo um someone else says uh ski over the beach every time uh oh he goes on to say if you don't understand then you need to ski oh i love skiing no i love it well i love snowboarding not like this though you know you know when your nasal hair freezes and you think uh i think i'll just go for a poutine and a beer until mm, tomorrow that's what i find when it's like minus 15 there's no fun in it, is there?
0: I've never enjoyed physical activity in good weather as much as I enjoy poutine and beer. Does that include horizontal jogging hmm? with the ladies? There's certain meals that have been better than certain encounters.
1: Wow. Uh, that's true, actually. Everyone's got a, a skeleton in their closet. And everyone's got a nice like a favourite dish. Yeah, oh, I'd absolutely. Rather, I'd rather have a lasagna um, than some of the sex that I've had.
0: Exactly. I just had a lasagna last night. That's the that's the perfect one right there. There's there's a lot of lasagnas that I've had that have been better than certain, uh, you know, rendezvous
1: or whatever you want to call it. Do you ever when when they say how was it for you? Do you ever say "Uh, it was like a quite a dry burger? I was hoping (laughs) for a fish and chips with uh, beer battered cod, but you were you were like. um, yeah, but you know, it's a mild smell of, of gherkin. God, this has got disgusting, sorry. Yeah, I've
0: never been anything but grateful.
1: <laughs> I was trying to be metaphorical and then it went horribly wrong. I'm terribly sorry. How rude. Um let's move on to something that we can all get cheered up about. Nuclear striking and nuclear holocaust. Awesome. So a thing called Nuke Map, and it's really taken the internet by storm. It's been around for a while actually. It's an interactive map that uses Google Maps and unclassified nuclear weapons data created by a historian who studies the history of nuclear weapons. So what he's done, he's got this initial version. It was created years ago, but recently it's been upgraded so that users can model a nuclear explosion. And it features very rough models of mushroom clouds in 3D, scaled to their appropriate sizes. So you can log on to this site, Google Nuke Map, if you want to do this, Nuke Map. And uh, what you do is you put in the city that, you want to nuke, and then you put in the bomb of your choice. And there's quite a few choices. Uh, You can go for the same bomb that uh, was the Hiroshima bomb, the 15-kiloton little boy. Uh, Or you can go all the way up to the W87, currently in the US arsenal. Uh, It's also known as the Minuteman 3, 300 kilotons. Uh, And you can point the city of your choice and nuke it. Luckily, virtually, for now, um... And so I decided, um, being a bit twisted, that I'd have a go. So I've been playing with it. The computer simulation of the effects of nuclear detonations have been described as both stomach-churning by one user and, and I read this comment, as much fun as I've ever had with Google Maps since ever. Uh, for the slightly more dark of amongst us. Uh, despite the admittedly abject grim nature of the subject, it is fascinating, actually. Genuinely is. I love this stuff. There's 13 million virtual nuclear explosions have happened since this site's gone up a few years ago. The website averages about five nukes per visitor. I slightly underdid that. I did Toronto. Not because I wanted to. Well, you've got
0: to see where what's going to happen where exactly. you
1: live. I'll give you the data on that in a minute, if you're interested. Um... As I say, 90 million nuclear explosions have, have been tested. Um, so I tried it, first of all, I thought would do it. I, I nuked Toronto with the little boy, which was the same bomb that hit Hiroshima. Hiroshima, by the way, about 100,000 people died. If you did the same thing, dropped a Hiroshima bomb now, today, with the current population at um, Young Dundas Square, slightly less, 88,000 deaths.
0: I think because of the population dispersion, I think
1: Hiroshima was really stacked on top of itself. It was, so that's good to know. If you're interested, how many people would die if you dropped the W87, also known as the Minuteman Three, 300 kilotons of pure evil? Um, which actually, with a British accent, I sort of and that conversation we had about the baddie, I should be getting quite excited about this. I will drop the W87. The minimum 3, 300 kilotons because of your for I'm evil. And uh, if you were to do that, it would kill 208,000 people. Doesn't take into account the amount of people that would then die from nuclear fallout.
0: That's what I'm most interested in, is how far away do you have to be to actually survive uh, nuclear fallout, like the actual, you know... Nuclear wind actually could kill as many people as the actual blast
1: range. I think quite a long way, but that's not a very scientific answer, sorry. Yeah. Well, actually, it's interesting you bring this up because um, the guy that invented this is called Alex Willerstein, And as I say, he got a load of information, unclassified information about nuclear weapons. He's a historian of nuclear weapons, so he seems to know what he's talking about. He's got a Twitter account. A lot of people have asked him to add stuff like that. And it usually gives quite reasonable answers, like it would depend on the wind, the time of the year, um, also where if the wind were to blow over a densely populated place, then all oh, havoc could happen. Um, but I, I did quite like some of the Twitter responses to Nuke Map. Um, someone said, "I selected the largest bomb possible on the list and detonated it over Lower Manhattan, and the line stopped ten feet from my house. I'm good, guys." So he's all right. Uh, someone else says, "I live in Bath and I just dropped a bath bomb." <laughs> Nice touch. Uh, Someone says, very nice tool. I live in an area with a number of hills. Would it be possible to change your algorithm to allow for the protection offered by valleys? To which he answered, the scaling equations used here are very simple and don't take into account topology. It would be very difficult for me to change the algorithm.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing.
1: Topography is a a big thing there. Mm. Someone said, man, this app is excellent. Easy to use, too. It gave me a lot of help with a post-apocalyptic party I'm planning. And someone else said, um, I did one where I lived and the death toll was one, even though I dropped the biggest bomb possible. I live in Australia.
0: Oh, I guess, yeah, you could do a dead centre of the country. Yeah.
1: So, um, everyone feel cheerful now? I love that stuff. Amanda Capito joins me. Amanda, we're talking nuclear bombs.
2: Yes, I caught the tail end of that. <laughs> Great, probably not
1: the bomb itself. <laughs> yeah, there's a nuke map that you can go online and you can put in whatever you, wherever town, city you want, and then drop whatever bomb you want on it, and then it will tell you how many people die.
2: This is just like some kid who was a gamer who's a grown up now and has a grown up job, and is like, wouldn't this be fun?
1: <laughs> if you had to, keyword here, virtually, virtually bomb anywhere, where would you bomb?
2: I wouldn't bomb anywhere. I knew you
1: <laughs> It's <laughs> so nice, man. You won't even bomb a good city. <laughs> I mean, really. They just
2: have no desire.
1: Virtually, no de- though.
2: No desire. Even
1: just to find out the numbers.
2: Oh, <laughs> so play it like a math game. Like, yeah. don't, don't you like math? Don't you want to bomb somewhere? Well,
1: why not do it? Uh, well, obviously, if you do Tokyo, it's going to not go very well. Mexico City. Why, why not just virtually bomb somewhere that's got no one in it just to expel the evil from the world and make sure that bomb isn't used for enemies?
2: Um oh my gosh, the the name is escaping me now. What's the what's the the Bermuda Triangle? I would drop a bomb there and just see what happens. Ah. How's that?
1: That's all right. I suppose it's quite good really to not have built up animosity to the point where you want to murder millions of people. I'm so
2: happy we're friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, as I always say, are the yin to my evil yang. <laughs> um, we'll get talking to you about other things slightly more cheerful in a minute. Seven ten ten text me, where are you going? And are you really looking forward to it? Let me know. seven ten ten, 10, and we'll talk to Amanda in a minute.
0: This is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010.
1: So I asked you what you're doing for Christmas. Someone said, Christmas sucks. Even tax time kicks the crap out of Christmas. Jerry Agar? (laughs) No, because if it was Jerry Agar, I would say, Christmas sucks. The liberals have ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) Even tax time... Brackets, which is way too high, by the way, because of the liberals. You kick the crap out of Christmas. You can't even say Christmas because of liberals. That would be terrible. But it would all be in capitals as well. Are oh, you so funny. Did I tell you he accosted me the other day?
2: No. I come
1: in on Tuesday morning sometimes to do this thing called a round table with John Moore where you have to do opinions, right? And Jerry's at the top of the stairs. and He goes, hi. He always, he always brings up that I'm British somehow. Right. I would just go, hi. I bet you don't get weather like this in Britain. Haven't lived there for 10 years. <laughs> Never mind. And, and I was a He's bit just ra- trying
2: to be your friend. He, he is. He's just really trying. He's great.
1: oh, yeah. I was going to sell out like i taking the piss out of him, which I am a bit. But also, I do like him. And anyway, he get to the top of the stairs. And I was a bit flustered because there was five topics to talk about that morning. And it was starting in about six or seven minutes. And I didn't know anything about any of the topics, so I just wanted to run through them, make sure that I had sort of brief understanding of what it was going to be. There's uh, a
2: little behind the scenes for people who don't know the roundtables in the morning show. If you're listening, that everyone gets briefed in, a, in the beginning about what the topic's going to be, and you could kind of formulate what you're going to say. Exactly.
1: So you're not completely put on the spot, right? And sometimes I just choose not to say anything because I just don't know anything about it. And sometimes I research about it and try and form an opinion. Anyway, the point I'm making is you, you can't go on there completely blind. So I have printed this stuff. And I was ready to read it. Jerry goes, let's play table tennis. And I went, I,
2: Wait, was he going to be on the panel no, with you? Not no, not at oh, all. So that's why he said, was
1: fine. His yeah. show was all prepped. <laughs>
2: of course that's, it was. That's the problem. So yeah.
1: I went, I, I, I can't play table tennis. I'm the champion in this building, you know that? <laughs> By the way, the accent's as good as it'll get, so tough. And I went, no, I didn't know that. That's great, Jerry. Um, who, but how old is Jerry. How old? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, late fifties. Because I think that was also the thing that made this all really bizarre. He, everything he said should have been coming out of a ten-year-old boy. <laughs>
2: Okay, wait, tell me you played table tennis you with You wouldn't let
1: me not, Amanda, right? <laughs> oh, so, you wouldn't let so you I, not play. Yeah, okay. so I said, I haven't got time. And he goes, Ah, will only take a minute. I'm undisputed. I'll floor you in two seconds. And I'm like, Uh, yeah, all right. He puts a bat in my hand. <laughs> the paddle? Yeah, the paddle. <laughs> Is that what you call
2: it? Or you you play with a bat. I mean, that's a whole other game. That makes
1: <laughs> it a lot more complicated. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, he puts the paddle in my hand, and uh, then he's just... Bangs a ball across this makeshift crap table at me. And, like, yeah, there's not even a net. He's using toner cartridges for a net. Are you serious? It's the most cheap thing. Did he thing make ever. He made it? Of course he did, because he knows he's good at it. <laughs> then he, it's like me building a machine for British accents and then going, does anyone want to play? <laughs> Well, it's not fair. Cr- so so he, goes, he goes, look, I'm going to beat you every time. Now, I'm crap at hand-eye coordination. There's that's a good reason I don't play a lot of sport. So, inevitably, he beat me. And I was at the end, I was, like, not even trying because I just wanted to research the show. <laughs> and then I thought he'd be quite humble about it because despite his loud attitude to most topics, he is quite a humble, reasonab- mm, reasonable-ish guy. Reasonable-ish. And... Um, Afterwards, he thrashed me twenty to one. Right? At least you got one. Went me- mental. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah, I showed you I could do it, did you? See it? You didn't even have a chance. I'm like this with everyone. You were one of the worst. In fact, I think you were. Can I go and do some work now?
2: <laughs> you know what? You probably made his day.
1: Yeah. So, if you're listening, Jerry, yes, you're very good at it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, enough of me. Oh, How are you, darling?
2: I'm good. I went to the... Uh, have you been to the uh, Christmas? Distillery market Christmas? Not this year. I was
1: there last year. Yeah.
2: They have these... Uh, I just found it interesting. I was there on Friday. They have these giant letters that say joy this year. And to my surprise, the lineup for Santa was just as long as the lineup was for the giant joy letters. Oh.
1: That people could take pictures in front of. So how long would it take to line up to then have your picture taken At in? least
2: 20 minutes. Like people were waiting.
1: 20 minutes. It was a long line. To line up to have you... In front of a sign that says "Joy."
2: Yes, and it just made me think: Why do people love giant letters so much? You know, I just don't text in right now. If you have a love for letters, actually, <laughs> just curious as to why. Seven ten ten. I and because okay, we have the Toronto sign in Nathan Phillips Square. Yeah. I get it. We don't really have an iconic. You know, Chicago has the Bean. Um, Boston has you know this the the statue, the hockey player diving. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but we don't really have anything. So the Toronto sign in Nathan Phillips Square, fine, but. But at every event now,
1: like it just seems to be overdone. That's not the only one, actually, because also in the distillery district, all year round, there's the word love that has a load of padlocks on it. And that word, couples stand in front of, get their picture taken. And I know this because I have to blow them up every week, right? That's what I was going
2: to say, as a photo canvas man.
1: Yeah, we do that one. That's one of my most popular.
2: And they also have the, the, the giant heart you're saying, too.
1: That's another one yet again in the It's like they the do distillery. this on purpose. It's well, Distilleries is well, just a giant photo op. It is, isn't it? It really is. And then everyone's like, oh, it's so cute. It's got a coupled streets and it feels like you're in olden days. I'm are standing <laughs> in front of the sun. I don't know, mate, in 20 minutes. Could not be asked. Also, how bad are you at Photoshop? You can put any word behind you whenever you want. <laughs> I know. And then
2: they had little smaller words like on, on um, the brick buildings all around, like family and holidays. And again, like... Hordes of people crowding to take picture with family, like in lights behind them. Yeah, is that is that cute or or kitschy? Like I think it's a bit tacky.
1: I don't know, but I do like the first text in in answer to your question. Do you like big letters? Someone's just texting in capital letters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but why? Why? I wouldn't bother with it. Have you ever Have you ever caught yourself doing this?
2: I. Okay, I've definitely taken one in Nathan Phillips Square in front of Toronto. Yeah. Everyone had to. Um, I don't know. I have, no de- I have no burning desire. Maybe I have a once in a while if someone's, like, roped me in. But I'm not waiting in-, in a lineup.
1: I think the thing with the distillery district is at this time of year, it costs you a few bucks to just get in there, right? And it'd probably take a lineup and a bit of hassle. Once you're finally in there, it's extremely busy. And what do you do? I mean, obviously, you're going to get a few little handmade gifts and a few things, and then you're going to do the inevitable cup of hot chocolate. If you can find a place that makes it legal, I think there's a couple. You can also get a mulled wine. Yeah. And then, um, and then you just sort of look into the futile nature of just how boring life is. And you think, <laughs> That's what, what is the point in <laughs> any of this? My kids need a pee. They're screaming. <laughs> she wants me to buy another pissing handbag. She won't even let me look in this shop window at these Harley Davidson jackets. Sorry, I'm doing some massive stereotyping. Your girlfriend must
2: just love (laughs) just love taking you places.
1: (laughs) And then you just sort of look into the futile void that is the black hole of life.
2: And then you say, I might as well take a picture in front of the giant joy.
1: Yeah, at least that way I can post on Facebook me and my wife, who I desperately fell out of love with years ago, <laughs> standing in front it's of horrible. a sign that literally says joy in a hope to avoid the <laughs> point that my life is a painful misery.
2: So it's just a giant sham.
1: Stick that on Facebook and people will read me <laughs> and my face and then read the word joy and put the two together and think I'm happy. It's the best I can do.
2: <laughs> I noticed it also at Beer Fest in the summer. They had it for the first time in Toronto's Beer Fest. Yeah. Giant letters. I don't even know what it's... Did it say beer? I don't know.
1: <laughs> like, <people> like... <laughs> I think we should set up some ironic ones. Yeah. Banksy oh my style. <gasps> we could just wander around town in, in massive letters.
2: Hangover. Oh, hangover. Pose. Pose. In, the, in the club district here, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, you can make it relevant to Relevant to are. the area.
1: Right. I really um, like this idea. This is brilliant. Outside the law courts... Pain and suffering. Yes! Oh. This is great. Um, what else could you do? <laughs> uh, on the on the lake shore, which admittedly is quite nice during summer, but it's a big, windy, evil, cold place during winter. Just put freezing, desperate pain.
2: Love that. Mm. All, all sprinkled around. Yes, yeah. realistic words. Let's have some more.
1: You could do swearing ones as well. Not near schools. We're not bandits. Right. Just, you know, SH1T.
2: Okay, so you print canvases, can you print giant letters, can you make this happen?
1: If next year you see an outbreak of incredibly negative words printed on (laughs) canvas, put up by a woman in a onesie, or dressed as a banana, you know what happened.
2: I knew you were going to bring up my onesie again. Well,
1: I'll tell you why I bring it up, Amanda, because you never take it off.
2: (laughs) I may or may not have still had it on since last weekend.
1: When you bought it, did you say, can I have that onesie? And they said, oh, you do know it's a (laughs) straitjacket.
2: It's not a street jacket. It's so comfortable. You never take it off. Yeah,
1: but... Also, your hands are stuck behind your back permanently. Keep headbutting it's doors. Thats not true. It's not true.
2: As an Italian, I would never purchase anything that restricts my hand movement.
1: <laughs> this is a good one. To... Someone's just texting. It's a bit dark, but I like it. Should create a sign at the distillery that reads fascism and see if people stand <laughs> around for 20 minutes for that.
2: People would think it's ironic. They probably would. Yeah. <laughs>
1: If you're really, really uh, up for the challenge, you can always go a few stories up and get one in front of the words Trump lit up in letters before those lights go out some point soon.
2: People would still take pictures in front of it. Yeah, they
1: would. Anyway. Okay, we're going to do a quick break and then we'll come back with some other stuff. Who knows where it's going to go? You're tuned in to The Vinnie White Show.
0: On In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Vinnie White's the name. I'm with Amanda Capito. Pat's the producer. He's pressing buttons. We're here every week from 9 o'clock. If you want to get involved in the show, you can text in on 71010. If you like tweeting and all that shenanigans, you can find Amanda Capito at... A Capito. And you can find Vinnie White at Vinnie White. And what else I need to say? Oh, podcasts and all that kind of stuff. If you miss the show or you're mad enough to want to hear it again... Then you can go to vinnywhite.co.uk. Vinnywhite.co.uk. Okay. Alright. So a while ago, it's probably about six months ago, we did a story about a guy that had petitioned his local state in America to accept his photograph for his driving licence and he was wearing a baseball cap of his local team. And I can't remember the team, but his argument was it's like a religion to me. And we've heard this story quite a lot, actually. It's the same sort of thing that comes up. It's one of those sort of whack-a-mole news stories that just you can't get rid of someone else wanting their headgear to be recognized as illegal right last time it sports caps as i say but there's been colanders various scarves you name it uh i haven't heard this one new one a new one his name is Philan moonsong is that his real name he's changed it we don't know what it was probably dave clark right um Philan moonsong goat horns
2: Oh, he wants to wear goat horns.
1: He already is wearing goat horns. He's from Maine, he's 56, and he wants his driving licence to feature him with his eight-inch goat horns, which are nearly always on, but he has to take them off for sleeping. Eight
2: inches? Oh, my God. It's
1: a big bit of goat horn. (laughs) He first laid eyes on the horns at a a pagan men's group gathering in 2009. Philan Moonsong is a pagan. Uh, A friend whose goat had recently died offered the horns to a group of members, as you would... Um, nobody else wanted the dead goat's heart headwear. Um, so Moonsong couldn't believe his luck. Absolutely over the moon he was. He took the horns home, he drilled small holes in each one and then attached them to his forehead using stretchy 50-pound fishing line that he then wrapped around his head like a kind of invisible skull cap. Uh, his life, never the same. Moonsong sometimes soaks his horns in cedar oil to keep them fresh and leathery.
2: Okay, this is different. From baseball cap and pasta strainer guy. Mm. Because those people, I think, were just trying to prove a point. This guy actually, like, like, this is real. He has some sort of connection to these goat horns and he's serious about it. He
1: certainly says so, yes.
2: I be- I can tell. Yes. I think it's. this is more him. He might have some issues and maybe he needs some.
1: Or is it us, you know? Is it us without goat horns? Hmm? That
2: that we may, maybe. Open You're right. your mind. You're right. I'm sorry.
1: Okay. I don't think you can sit here and cast okay. aspersions on people okay. until you've got some goat horns on your head.
2: Wow. I'm sorry. Okay. One
1: week you come in. Oh, I dress as a banana. That's fine. <laughs> but I attempt to just negotiate the idea of some goat horns. You're out. I've always said about you narrow-minded. Oh
2: my gosh. Okay, so but whatever. He believes in the goat horns. That's fine.
1: <laughs> he says the horns are part of my religious attire. In August, Moonsong said officials at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, um, he said they said to him he'd have to remove his horns. Imagine them being in that office. He'd have to remove his horns to receive state-issued ID. When he tried to explain to the Bureau employees that he was a priest of Pan, which is his religious title as a... What is he? Druid? No, um Pagan. Um, one who considers his horns as, quote, spiritual antenna, and they can't be moved. Moonsong said he sent the state a personal essay explaining the importance of the horns, along with his four scholarly works, including one titled Pagan's Religions Handbook, Diversity Training. Philan Moonsong, who changed his name early this year, said he was elated with the result. He's allowed to wear the horns.
2: Good. I think he should be.
1: You right with that? Yes. Moonsong, who got his driving license back, doesn't drive.
2: Well, he may just need it for identification. Yeah, that's purposes. what people do, isn't it? Yeah.
1: But that doesn't happen in the UK. You can't get a driver's license unless you drive. So really? do, do you get a driving yeah. license that just says you can't drive on it?
2: No, no. Oh, wait, he doesn't drive like. He doesn't have a... No, I don't get it.
1: Oh, well, actually, it says it doesn't drive. Like, he, he doesn't, doesn't drive. Dri- Maybe he just doesn't drive Do- a car regularly. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think that's what that means.
1: Crap journalism. Moonsong <laughs> will fin- finally be able to use the ID to board a plane to California.
2: Right, so he's using it as an identification.
1: Um, where some of the best pagan festivals are found. Good but for him. Imagine sitting next to him. Would you be all right with that?
2: Yeah, I've sat. Uh, I mean, riding the TTC in Toronto, I've sat beside worse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so. I mean, you got two places to hang your coat. It's a bonus. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Who's the biggest weirdo you've got on a streetcar with them?
2: Oh, I've got. I have. I don't know. I've had some really weird, really weird encounters.
1: Yeah must be hard being a lady as well because, like, you know.
2: Yes, and I've been injured quite a few times, as you know. It seems to be I'm always on crutches. And, like, I don't know, you can't run away when you're on crutches.
1: No, we can't so... do it with any dignity. I tried to walk out of a pub when I had my crutches because he said that I had to sit in an allocated seat. And there was only one, and I was with my girlfriend. And he goes, well, you can sit. She'll have to stand. And I went, why don't we just bring a chair from inside because it was on a patio. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, you can't do that because of the rules which oh. I think is something that Ontarians must practice in front of the mirror, that statement. You can't do that because of the rules. <laughs> Can we challenge the rules? No, because of the rules. <laughs> anyway, so he said, you can't do that. So I went, fine, and I walked out. Good. Looked like an absolute idiot. Took me 20 minutes to leave. Oh.
2: Uh, well, this, I, that actually goes to show that there needs to be more accessibility, you know, adjustments in Toronto because every, and I've had this before too, where it's like, oh, they have one accessible seat. Like, why would you not put two? Yeah. Always two, minimum. So There's plenty on the streetcars,
1: though, isn't there? Accessible seats.
2: On the streetcars? Yeah, well, certainly well, on the new street ones. Streetcars are difficult, but they, on the subways there are. Mm. But streetcars, even just getting on and off the streetcars is a bit of a hassle for someone with, with ability issues.
1: We haven't got long left on the show, so I'm just going to cram this in. and moving on to Montreal's attempt to beat the Rockefeller Center results in an ugly Christmas tree. Okay. I want some of that. Is any Christmas tree ugly? Well, this one's pretty rank, actually. Lay it on me, okay. <laughs> uh, for the 375th anniversary, Montreal tried to beat the height of the famous New York City tree at the Rockefeller Center in New York. Instead, downtown Montreal wound up with something that only Charlie Brown could love. It looks, I think my description of it best is an old lady's finger. What? That's been dipped in green paint. It's a bit of an eyesore, said Nick Malik, who was catching a view of the tree from his office window opposite. Someone else said it's horrible, it's completely awful. Uh, someone said, uh, I'm so surprised I saw it on the internet and now I'm looking at it, it looks even worse. Cheap. Uh, someone else said it's quite sad, really. Uh, a visitor from England said uh, he compared it to a matchstick, and said maybe it's a joke. Um, people certainly are laughing. The, the tree now has um, two... Mock Twitter accounts, one in French, one in English. <laughs> um, so if you want to follow the tree, you can look at it. Just type in Montreal tree if you can uh, bear to look. The trunk's crooked. It's got not many leaves. But wait, ma- it's Not much done foliage, on... rather.
2: I, but wait, and, and, and what, it was done on purpose?
1: Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying... <laughs> See, the thing is with Canada is <laughs> you're always trying to be America. So they said, right, we're going to beat New York. Right. So they said, right, well, we have to get one that's taller than that. But the problem is with tall trees is very often there's not a lot of foliage on them. Right. Right. So they got this tall tree. just It's got barely anything on it. And then when they moved it, because they were facing a deadline, they got in a bit of a pickle. They put it on a flatbed truck and escorted it from near the American border in Quebec, where they got it from, in 72 hours. But because the budget was tight and because corners were cut... The tree was cut down. Kept hitting things on the way, ripping branches off. Oh, no. Got it up. Whoever measured it, measured it wrong. It was 1.8 metres short of the Rockefeller Centre. So they haven't even done that. And it just looks like an embarrassment.
2: Can't they just put, like, a lot of ornaments all
1: over it? Oh, that's the other problem. They did that. They were (laughs) sponsored by Canadian Tire. So the whole thing is just doused in Canadian tyre logos. Oh, no. See, that was a marketing yeah. boo-boo from the beginning. The only thing that was provided that it hasn't got logo stamps on it are the Christmas lights, which point out the shallow and rather thin nature of a pathetic tree. Well. But some people like it, you'll be pleased to hear. Uh, someone said, everything in Quebec can be ugly. Cirque de Soleil and Celine Dion don't look good, and now we've got a fur to match. <laughs> so at least they can give themselves a kick. Fair enough. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Vinny. Where are you going for Christmas?
2: My grandparents' house. Where's that? In Vaughan.
1: Okay. Have a nice one. Italian food, I guess?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, lovely stuff. Mm -hmm. See you next year, honey Oh, my gosh. See you next year. That's the way we're rolling. Oh, and I should also leave with a very warm and fluffy. Thank you so much for listening this year. And thanks to Pat for pushing all the buttons. Thank you for coming in, Amanda. Uh, often just getting paid in beer afterwards. Absolute (laughs) joy to have you in. And thank you, everyone, very much for listening. It means a lot to me. And the ratings of this show have been exceptional, uh, unless I misread them. I'm quite often drunk. (laughs) Either way, um, we've done very well, and I really look forward to doing this all over again in 2017. So look after yourself. Have a wonderful Christmas and a great New Year. And whether you celebrate it or not, big cuddles from me. Bye.